Nice to see some other familiar faces here. Paolo's mom and sister over here visiting from Mexico. So that's lovely to have you here. There in the back. Talita's family from Vakes, all the way from South Africa. La comielite. Thank you so much for my pro neutro. You have no idea how amazing that is. So, and then other faces that came out to visit today, but welcome to everyone. Let me read a piece of scripture here. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are little amongst thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old. From everlasting. Have you ever received a card and didn't know who it was from? Especially a Christmas card, and your name is on there, and they thank you, and they send some information, and you look at the card and you think, Is this really for me? That's what happened to our family this week. Nathan and Tiffany and myself received. Very nice card, and there are pictures on the front. There's a letter in there. There's pictures on the back of the family, and tells about all the news and how the family's expanding, and thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And it's just lying there on the table because there's so much post, especially this time of year. My goodness. So after a couple of days of this lying here, Tiffany looked at me. She said, are these your friends? Is this card from your, your, your people? So... They're all white. All the people on the picture are white. So if they're all white, it's obviously my friends. If there's an Asian stuck in the picture somewhere, it's her friend somewhere. So in any case, so I say, no, I have no idea whose picture this is. I have no idea what family this is. So I'm about to throw it away, and I'm thinking, but they sent, it's our name. It's our address. It's Something is missing here. So I start thinking and I ask her and we start talking about this. Because in this they got the families expanding and we're now married and so many grandchildren and children. And I'm thinking, ooh, in the, oh man, this is just so a long story cut short. What happened was a while ago my sister did a teaching on um, being entitled, entitlement. So in that teaching... She said, this is so amazing how God works. Because she was talking about one of the ways that you know you're entitled is, for example, if you listen to a radio program, Christian radio or television program, and once a year these people collect money so that they can stay on the air. And that week that they have their fundraising, you don't listen to that because you don't want to turn to another channel. That was us. That, that's exactly what me and my family did. We listened to The Journey. There's K, I don't know, there are two or three. Ask Nathan. He'll tell you what channel, how to find it on the radio. He knows all the information. But that is what we did. We listened to those Christian channels. And then when they collect the money, we switch to another channel. And it's just wonderful how the Spirit reveals to you that, man, that's entitlement. You shouldn't be doing that. So we started sowing into The Journey because they put out good messages and wonderful songs and music. 
and long story short, this whole letter and card that came from us were from the journey, people who, who own the journey and talking to us about their kids and grandkids growing. So it was from the journey saying, thank you for sponsoring us. We really appreciate, uh, you know, this is what's happening in our life. So after digging into it and, and not just throwing it away and, and going after who is this from and what is the meaning, it was great. But it was so easy to almost just take that card, do you know there's no wrong address, and chuck it away, even though it was our address. And I think sometimes we do that with the Word of God. He sends this amazing Christmas card, everyday card, birthday card, just this card filled with love. And we read it, and we don't know what it means. And we think, man, I'm going through this right now, and you want to send me this? Can this really be for me? Is this the right address? Do you really know what's happening in my life right now? You wouldn't send a card like this if you understood what I'm going through. And we take that card, and we discard it. We just take that word, and we just chuck it away for now. But Holy Spirit wants us to delve into, to find out who is this from, why is it there, why was it sent to you right now? What is the true meaning behind all of this? So that verse that we just read now from the book of Micah, it's chapter 5, verse 2. Now, if you do read the Bible through in one year and you do these programs, you've probably read this. But how many of us stopped at this verse and really found out what it's talking about? How many of us highlighted this or put a star or a, a, you know, arrow there that says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one. Wherever you see that in the word, you have to stop, man. That's, that's, that's the one. Life is nothing. Life wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for the one. So what's it saying about the one? The one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So I believe sometimes we get scriptures like that, and then we just throw it away because we don't really dig deeper. Or we don't understand, or what does it mean? It's too difficult. I don't have the time to go, and we go to the next verse. But we should delve into these verses, specifically where it's speaking about the one. So then I want to turn to Luke chapter 2. I almost ran up onto the stage when Brian started doing his thing this morning because he took exactly the scripture that I was going to read. And uh, I wanted to stop him, but I was too late. Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Cornelius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger 
because there was no room in the inn for them. So now if we read this part of Scripture, it's wonderful. We read it probably every year. David came this morning and said, are you going to do a traditional Christmas message or are you going to do something new? So we can do the traditional, play very safe, but I think something new is good, but you've got to take from the old. So as a DJ, I like to mix things up, put a bit of the old with the new and the new with the old. So what is this talking about and where in the Bible has this come forth before? And we have to go back to the first part of Scripture that we read from Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. What do we know about Micah? Because this is all about today's message is to have, there's a picture there, Manny got up there, to have an anchor for your soul. Because there are things happening in the world today now and people are tossed to and fro, the Bible talks about, by every little change, every little wind of doctrine. So we need to have an anchor for our souls so that no matter what happens, we are steadfast. We are immovable, meaning I don't care what storm I go through. I don't care how high the waves beat, how strong the wind blows. This is my place. This is what I believe. And when this wind and storm is gone, I will be standing right here. That's an anchor. Jesus spoke about when you build your house on the rock and the storm comes and goes and the house is still standing, if you build it on the rock, that's what we need, that rock, that anchor. So today's message is all about the anchor for our souls. So if we go look at this book of Micah, Micah, one of the, the minor prophets as they called, we have him living from 750 to 710. B.C., so about 750 to 710 years before the birth of Christ. Our God is amazing. Our God is absolutely phenomenal. Our God should be such an anchor for us when we read things like this in the Word, that when we read chaos in the world, we are anchored because of our God. So 750 years before Jesus is born, this minor prophet stands up and he prophesies the birth of Jesus. 750 years. You think you not being able to pay rent next month is a problem for God? 750 years before the fact he speaks through this prophet. And we read now in Luke chapter 2 everything that was said by this prophet. So now 750 years before this actually happens, Micah lived in the time of Isaiah and Hosea. They were prophesying at the same time. This is what he prophesies. He says that Bethlehem Ephrata, because there were two Bethlehems, it would be like someone saying Richmond, Virginia or Richmond, Kentucky. So if you just say, I, I come from Richmond. When Tiffany and I were just here, and people would say, where are you from? Where, where are you living? I'm from Richmond. They'd be, uh, Richmond. Where? Which Richmond? Is, isn't there only one? No, there are plenty. Which one? Okay, Richmond, Virginia. Okay, now we know. So that's why Ephrata is there, because there were two different Bethlehem. So Bethlehem, Ephrata, that's the place where all of this is now taking place, where David, sorry, not David, where Joseph and Mary are coming from. So 750 years before this happens, 
this guy prophesies, and he says that. The trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, where they're talking about here, 80 miles. Eight zero. 80 miles from where they were to where Jesus was born. Now, husbands, fathers, you've been around a pregnant mommy. The last couple of weeks, it's rough. And you're just watching it. You're not even a part of it. It's difficult to sleep. The eating habits are strange. The, there's so many things that are happening during, especially the last little bit of the pregnancy. Can you imagine 80 miles on a donkey? Over and above having the baby in your tummy? Over and above not being married, not having been with a man, carrying all of this for 80 miles on a donkey. And, and we can go on and on and on about what was really taking place during this journey that was prophesied. Many other places, but we're just going to look at this one, 750 years before it happened. 80 miles. Then when the pregnancy happens and how it happens, we, we've got one child. i sure we all say that. I'll never forget. But I was in the room when, when Nathan was born. I was in the room for a while because my mom chased me out for a while. I did not like the way the doctors were treating my wife. So I got a little angry and my mom chased me out. It was horrible. It was, it was not, a, not a nice experience. It was bad. I said stuff in the room that I shouldn't have said. I, I did things that I shouldn't have done. But, but watching all of that, and it was easy in terms of Tiffany had pain. You know, it was 1 o'clock in the morning, if I remember correctly. We got in the car, went to the hospital. It was not 80 miles on a donkey. It was just, I, I feel something. Let's get in the car. And go. We were prepared. We were ready. And as easy as it was for us, it was not an easy thing. So here you got this lady, young, young woman, riding 80 miles on a donkey. They say it's pretty expensive to do that in those days. Another thing, according to Roman law, Mary didn't have to go with Joseph. Joseph could have gone by himself. Now if you go read and you study, a lot of scholars have different opinions why he took Mary with him because she could have just stayed there. But the fact of the matter is that she did not have to go. But 750 years before this, Micah prophesied and he said, You will bring forth in Bethlehem the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So she had to go because the word of the Lord was spoken many, many times in many, many different ways for her to be there. So now she's there. So we can take the whole service just looking into everything that had to take place for Jesus to be born then and there as it was spoken. It's, it's, it's a miracle, people would say. Yes, it was. And it's the same God that worked that miracle that's working in your and my very life today. And it's the same God that we should have an anchor in our souls so that no matter what we face, it's that same God that can 
do that miracle that can do a miracle in your very, very life today. That's the anchor that we need to have. But we're moving on here. So then now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Brother and sister, is your life in every area, are you living as if you have received good tidings of great joy? Or are there parts of your life that are just not working right? And you don't have good tidings of great joy in a certain area of your life. I think the only reason why we have that is because it doesn't matter what we're going through. If we understand the good tidings of great joy, no matter what we face, the anchor in our soul will be one of I'm not moved. This is going to work out right, and I can have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength, right now, right here in this circumstance. Because what the enemy wants to do is make us focus on the problem and the issue and what we don't have instead of focusing on the good tidings of great joy which is the one that has come, which is the one that you and I are seated in heavenly places right now. So where is your focus? Is it on the good tidings of great joy or is it on the lack? And just the way we work our minds, the body, if you hit your one nail with a hammer, you've got 10 fingers that are on your hand, you've got nine that are not hurting, but where are you focused on? The one that hurts. And the enemy does the same. There may be 10 things in your life, nine of them are going great, but which one does he want you to focus on? The one that's not happening. This is not. And today at the end of the service, I want us to come forward. If there's a part in your life, if there's an area in your life, it may just be one fingernail. Other nine are perfect, but the enemy has you focused on your child that's acting up. Your marriage, that is not working the way it should. Maybe you have a great marriage, but things in the bedroom are not the way that they should be. And the world tells you, do this and do that. But God has a different way. It may be in your health. It may be in your finances. But that storm that's happening is shaking you, and you need to get anchored in that very specific certain thing that God is going to perform what he said he would in this, and I am not going to be moved. So here we read that these angels come and they say, great tidings. This is amazing joy for all of you, to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, laying in a manger. And suddenly, we like those suddenlies in the Bible. Every time the suddenly is there, there's, man, it's good. Because something is about to happen. And suddenly, so while this angel is talking, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying. So this one angel brings this message. Where did he receive the message? From God. So he comes down bringing this message from God. While he's delivering this amazing message, these other angels can't contain themselves. And they just burst in and they start praising and singing. And they are with this one angel. And all of these angels now together are 
praising and singing and glorifying God. Now, we could spend so much time in what these angels have seen throughout millennia, throughout eons of time. We don't know when they began. We don't know. But, man, the thing, can you imagine if you go and sit and think about everything the angels have witnessed? They, they do not have a problem believing God. They just know that what God says happens. So to them, it's a no-brainer. God says that. That's what's going to happen. Why don't you believe it? It's as simple as that. And we see them bringing messages to people and, and different people reacting differently and how they react to the different people's response. And in some instances, they are absolutely befuddled that I'm bringing a message from God and you're doubting it. And to others, they bring the most impossible message and someone says, let it be done to me according to thy word. And it just happens. So when the angel brings a message, how do you and I react? Are we the ones that say, how can this be? I need a sign. Please show me. And an angel from heaven is speaking to you and you want a sign? Or you can just say, yes, let it be according to your word because you speak on behalf of God. So these angels come down and now they're all praising and they're worshiping God. And they say here, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. I think that's very, very important. It doesn't say amongst men, among men. It says toward men. So what they are saying here is the war between the old covenant, the law, and all of that, that's over. So toward men, from God, toward men, peace to you. Maybe, I don't know, two months ago I did a teaching on the covenants and God making covenant with Abraham. We're going to read that now. But the angels were there. They saw this happening. We read about the ladder in, in Genesis, Jacob's ladder. The angels are there. They're present. They're witnessing all of this. So they see this covenant that God makes with God, that God makes with Jesus when he's cutting covenant with Abraham. And the angels are waiting. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it and for years, for thousands of years, they're waiting for the Lord of the Word to come to pass because they know that whatever He says, it never stops. That's law, and that is what takes place. Even today, scientists will tell you that the universe is expanding at the speed of light, 386,000 miles per second, because in the beginning, God said, let there be light. It's still happening. So the angels saw that. They know. So they're waiting. They see this covenant. God making covenant with Abraham, putting Abraham to sleep so that God cuts covenant with God. And now they're waiting. When is this word going to come to pass? And they wait and they wait and they see terrible things happen. They see God in the flood wipe the whole people, population out except for Noah and his family. Angels coming down. I mean, just murder, blood. And now the message is that's all over. There's now from heaven toward mankind, there's goodwill. And now the seed that the covenant was made with Abraham, that is about to take place. So these angels come down and they are thrilled. And on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. So they come and they bring this message that God is now forever on your side. Maybe man to man, and people are going to, Jesus said, 
you think I bring peace? I bring the sword. Things are going to happen. Things are going to be stirred up because you become a believer. Things are going to get worse, he says, because you believe in God, you believe in Jesus. This is what's going to happen now. Before, people were easy to say, I believe this, I believe that. But now, and you can see it all around us now, you've got to make a stance. It's more black and white, where before you could still take a stance and get away with it. You didn't have to get involved, and that's changing now. The times are changing now, whether choose you this day who you serve. Because it's not that easy to sit on the fence anymore and say, nah, you know, one day I'm over there. That's not good. No. It's now get off the fence and take a stance, who you stand for. But now we have God on our side in everything that we do. So I want to look at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, bringing every thought. So where are these strongholds in our mind? The mind and renewing of the mind is so important. That's why if you have a wrong stronghold, when we think of a stronghold, I would say most of us, if we hear the word stronghold in this biblical way, we would think of something that's negative. Would I be right? Because it's talking about negative things, lies, things that you've been told about God, things that are not truth, but you believe them and you've been brought up in the school and your parents and the news and they all have this. It becomes a stronghold, but this is a negative one. But just as there is a negative stronghold, you and I as children of God can have a strong, positive, good stronghold. And as a negative stronghold works is when good news comes because that stronghold of a lie or negativity is so strong in your mind, there's no place for the good news. It has no place to take root and change who you are. But a positive, a good stronghold is exactly the same, but on the flip side. So that when negative news or bad news should come, that stronghold in your mind is so established that the bad news cannot change who you are and what you believe because of the stronghold of whatever you believe is just that strong. It's an anchor for your soul. If you have been coming out to this church for some time, there should be an anchor in your soul that by the stripes of Jesus, you were healed. That God today does not kill you and put sickness and disease on you to teach you a lesson. That's a stronghold. So that should something happen, should you get sick, should something happen that anyone who comes to tell you, maybe God is trying to teach you a lesson, or this is because of your, no, God did not put this on me. It may be the air, it may be me doing wrong thing, but this is not God saying, okay, now I'm going to teach you with cancer. Take that. No, that is a stronghold that whatever comes your way, it cannot move you from thinking, you know what, maybe this is, maybe I shouldn't pray against this. Maybe I should just 
Lord, give me that. No, that's a stronghold that is so set up and fixed in your mind that no matter what storm comes, you cannot be moved. God is good. And that's just a stronghold that we have. And when the angels came and they said, now that the seed is here, this promise that God made to Abraham, this has now been put in place. This is for you. This is the covenant that you are living in in this very day. That's a stronghold that we have. So in this sense here, it's used in a negative way, but we can use it in a good way. So if we turn to Galatians chapter 3, and this is talking about the, the covenant that God made. So verse 10, to the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished. See that word is past tense? Accomplished? It's already done. Accomplished. God wanted to do something, and in Christ, it was done. Is this Galatians 3, 10 to 12? Okay, just listen over here then quickly. To the intent now that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. So the wisdom of God should be made known through the church. The wisdom of God. Now this is written how many years ago? 2000 approximately. Paul was writing now, now the church has the wisdom of God. We as the church should make the wisdom of God known to principalities, to angels. We have the wisdom of God. And what is so sad is that we have the wisdom of God in a Baptist house, in a Methodist house, in a Catholic house, in a Seventh-day Adventist. And I, I'm sure, this is just my opinion, the angels are thinking, because <laughs> we are the church, we should give them the wisdom. And one is saying, this is right. One is saying, this is right. That one's over there in their corner. This one's over here. And the angels are saying, this is not wisdom at all. Because they hearken to the word of the Lord, doesn't the psalm say? So we should bring the wisdom of God to these principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished, past tense, in Christ Jesus. Everything changed for you and I when Jesus came. Everything changed when Jesus died on the cross, was raised from the dead, and sent his Holy Spirit. Christ now, the Bible says, has been made our righteousness has been made wisdom unto us, and we now have the mind of Christ. People couldn't have that in the old covenant, but we do. So this is another reason why these angels, I believe, are so joyful, because things are about to change. You as a church, we have the wisdom, the manifold wisdom of God. That's a possibility to us that wasn't before. Galatians 3, verse 16 to 20, this is now talking about Abraham. Now to Abraham and his seed, capital S, were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds as of many, 
but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. So when God made that covenant with Abraham, when he was sleeping, God made it to the seed, Jesus. Now these angels are coming and they're saying, that is what we are celebrating. That seed, that covenant, that promise that was made, he's here. Everything that God promised, remember God said, surely blessing, I will bless you. Increase, I will multiply you. In other words, you don't have to go anywhere else anymore to look for increase and blessing. All of that, I will do. It's my good pleasure, it's my good will to give you the keys, your Father's pleasure to give you the keys of the kingdom. Jesus came and lived the life to show us what it looks like to operate in the ways of the kingdom. And now that this covenant, Jesus has come, everything that was promised is being made available to us. It says in verse 19 of chapter 3, What purpose then did the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So the law was there because of transgression, and the law would only be here until the seed came. And guess what? He's here. That's what the angels came, and that's what they were so joyous about, is now that law that you are under, because the Bible says, sin shall not have dominion over you, because you are not under law, but you are under grace. The grace that empowers you to come against and overcome the law, overcome sin, through the power of the Holy Ghost that now lives on the inside of each and every one of you. That's why I believe they were so happy, because they saw some stuff. I mean, these angels, as I say, let's turn to Genesis chapter 6. Let's just have a look at this. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Can you imagine how... People say things are bad today, and yet Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. This verse says that every single intent of man was evil. There was none good. There was not one good thought, not one bit of love, not one bit of let me do this for you, not one bit of how can I bless you, how can I help you. It was every single thing was evil. And the angels are there, they see this, and God looks at this and he says, we have to deal with this, this can't be because Christ has to come through the lineage of man. So what happens? The flood. The angels are seeing all of this, they're witnessing this, they see the death, they see the destruction, they see every bit of man's heart and intentions are evil and wicked, and God has to step in. That's why now in the new covenant, God, after this, he says, I will never do this again. As long as the earth remains, he says, there'll be seed, there'll be time, there'll be harvest, hot, cold, all of that. So the day that we are living in, after the seed has come, this will never happen to us again. And the angels are coming to say that there's great tiding. Can you imagine walking down the street with fear on the inside of you because God is going to get you? And they do that well in movies, when you walk and there's someone behind you and you look in the mirror and someone's following. Can you imagine God the Father following you like that, wherever you go? 
going to sleep at night wondering, am I going to wake up tomorrow because he's after me? And now we don't have to do that anymore because he's for me. Never have to worry again, is, is he going to get me? Never have to fear again that, man, he's just going to, that's not there anymore because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And so many people are out there running from God out of fear instead of running to God because of relationship. But what the angels came and what we're celebrating now is them coming and saying, here's the seed that the promise was made to. Now because of this one, while you were sinners, God gave his son. And now nothing shall separate you from the love of God. That's the covenant that we are living in. So these angels saw a lot of stuff, and now they have an opportunity to come and say, that's not going to happen anymore. The covenant that you are in now is different to this because Jesus has come. He's the one that will pay for every sin. He will become sin on a cross so that you can go free and that you can have his righteousness. And because of the blood that was spilled, because of his body that was broken, because of him giving up his life and taking upon himself our sin, we can take upon ourselves his righteousness. And we are now righteous because of what he has done, not because of our works, but because of grace in what he has done and are putting our faith in that. So last piece of scripture here that we'll read and we'll go back to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, from 13 to 19. For when God made promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you. And if you can remember, we read in that covenant there that we are now, just like Abraham, that covenant is ours. Every promise that was made is for us. So God says to you, child of God, surely, blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Are you living your life like there's no dispute? There's no doubt that God is for me. It doesn't matter what happens. Is there a stronghold in your mind? Nothing that happens, nothing that is said, nothing that comes my way will take away the anchor in my soul that God is for me. There's no dispute. There's no talking. There's no argument. There's no thing that can come against me that can make me change my mind because the anchor in my soul is so strong that God is a loving Father and He's for me and not against me. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise, that's you and I, the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Look at verse 19. This is it. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. 
where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Is your soul anchored in the goodness of God that Jesus is for you, that he's interceding for you right now? Is your soul anchored that God says, surely blessing, I will bless you? That's the covenant that you are in now. Because things are happening all around us. We can see it everywhere. People are saying things. Things are happening. Things that we in this building here, and, and we, we can't understand how people can even think that way. Is your soul anchored? Is there something that you are going through right now that it's just not working and, and you are wavering a little bit in that area? I believe God wants to come today and he wants to make an anchor in your soul. So no matter what it is, that that one thing or two things, or it might be your whole life, I don't know, that you can walk out of that door today anchored in God, that your soul will not be moved from the truth that we have the victory in all things in Christ Jesus. How anchored are you today in the goodness and the promises of God? For all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus. I want to ask you a question. How many of you believe, raise your hands, how many of you believe that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life? Raise your hand. Okay, another question. Raise your hand. Who has seen the Lamb's book of life? Three. Three people raised their hands. So how can you believe that your name is in that book if you haven't seen it? Faith. A soul that is anchored that my name is in that book. Oh, well, you did this yesterday, and this is, my name is in that book. Have you seen the book? No, doesn't matter. Don't need to. That's what faith is. Faith is a substance, things hopeful, the evidence of things. Who of us are not seeing something in our life right now, but you know that it's yours? You don't need to see it to have it because that's faith. You don't need to have seen the Lamb's book of life to know that your name is in there. And then when this whole thing is up and finished and done, no matter how it ends, you are going to be with him in eternity forever it doesn't matter, should he come tomorrow, should a Mack truck ride over me over here, should the end of the world, it does not matter. My name is in that book, and when this is all over, I will be there. How do you know? I have an anchor in my soul that that book is real, and my name is in it. And that's just as simple as it is. If you are here, I want to pray now, there's still lots of time. If you are here, and there's an area or two, or three, it does not matter. But there's something in your life where you are wavering concerning the goodness and the promises of God. And you want to have an anchor in your soul concerning that. I want you to come to the front and we're going to pray and we're going to give this to God so that when we leave this place today, we are going to be so anchored in that thing. It might be like 10 fingers, nine are working, one is not, but we're going to work out with 10 fingers that are working properly. Any area in your life, it doesn't matter what it is, come forward. Let's get anchors. Let's get soul 
prosperity here anchored in the goodness of God, the covenant that we are in, and that which God wants to do for us. Don't look at the guy next to you. If there's anything in your life that is not right and you need a soul that is anchored, come forward. God wants to help you. God wants to work with your soul. Father, we just come humbly before you right now. You are the giver of life. You are the one that gives breath. You are the one that we live for. You are the one that the word says, Jesus, that we, we, we move in you. We have our being in you. And today we come and, and you know the part in our life that we're coming here to give to you so that we can be anchored in this. When you went to the cross, you knew exactly what we would be standing for right here today. And because that we have the mind of Christ, because you have been made wisdom unto us, we can now give you that thing, no matter what it is. And we say right now, Holy Spirit, we give you our souls. We give you that place. We give you that thing in our life that is not working the way it should. And we come now and we renew our faith in you. We renew and we say, yes, we give you this, Lord. Your word says it's the evidence of things not seen. So we thank you, Lord. We do not have to see it to believe that it has been done for us by you and your goodness. So thank you, Lord, that because of the anchor that we have in our soul, it doesn't matter how heavy the water beats against this promise doesn't matter how the winds blow against this vision, we will not be moved because we are anchored in you and your grace and your goodness. You didn't have to come, Jesus, but you chose to come because you love us. You chose to give yourself so that we can stand and not be moved in the promises that you have made for us. So we just come now and we just give this thing to you, whatever it is. Just thank you, Lord, for releasing all the negative thoughts, all the negative strongholds, all the what ifs, and, and maybe if it doesn't, we give that away and we say no more. And we thank you, Lord, for an anchor in our souls that we can stand strong no matter what comes against us. Everything we receive in the kingdom is by grace through faith. It's by grace that we will be anchored, but we believe in you wanting us to be anchored, Lord. So by grace, we receive now through our faith, Lord, your goodness, so that our souls would prosper in every area of life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you know our hearts, you know our minds. Your word says you know even every word before we've uttered it. So thank you that you know how to deal with this issue in our souls so that as we give it away now and we are anchored in that area, Lord, that we will stand firm until we see it come to pass. So we just humble ourselves now, Lord, under the mighty hand of God and we give this care to you because you are our caretaker. You care for us and we just receive, Lord, your grace and 
your peace that surpasses understanding. And we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace that dwells on the inside of us, that gives us peace. We receive it now. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. That's what faith is. It's, it's seeing something in the unseen realm, in your mind, in your heart. You believe that you already have it, even though you don't see it with your physical eyes. And because of faith, you don't have to see it with your physical eyes. That's what faith is. That's faith, seeing something that's not there. But because we see it, it will be there. Ten minutes to twelve. I'm done. I'm I'm done. I'm not going to keep you here any longer.